0: Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media veteran, digital content creator, and strategist. My career has required many cross-country relocations from my hometown of New Orleans to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, back to New Orleans, and now Miami, Florida. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I lead personal and professional development conversations in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic lives. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. I have the pleasure of having my very dear friend, Dr. Brooke Morell, and she is a radiologist
1: specializing in women's breast imaging. Is there a special title for that that I'm not saying? You said it perfectly. (laughs) Okay. I love (laughs) y'all. Wonderful, and I thought that she would be an awesome guest because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. I personally know a few women who have been diagnosed under the age
0: of 40. How common is that right now?
1: So unfortunately, it is a very common thing. Um, And I say unfortunately because obviously most women know that we don't start screening for breast cancer until the age of 40. Mm -hmm. So when a woman is diagnosed under the age of 40, it's usually that she actually feels an abnormality in her breast, which Prompts her to get it checked out by her doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not common enough to warrant screening at this time. You have to weigh the risk and benefits with screening because there is the component of radiation mm-hmm. and there is the sensitivity of mammography. So within Younger women. And in, and in layman's terms, that means the sensitivity for the mammograms. To actually find breast cancer. Okay. So, with speaking of mammograms, you have to take into account what, once you start screening, you'll get very familiar with the term of breast density. Mm-hmm. So, basically, every woman's breast is composed of fat and kind of fibroglandular tissue. So the fibroglandular tissue is the working tissue of the breast. Mm -hmm. So that is what gives the breast density. Mm -hmm. So depending on how much fat to fibroglandular density, that's going to um, determine how dense your breasts are. Mm -hmm. So the denser your breasts are, the more difficult difficult it is to detect a breast cancer. It's kind of like looking for a little tiny blue jay on a tree in the middle of spring versus looking for that same bird that's hanging out on a tree in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. So the younger women are, the more dense the that their breasts, breasts are. are. Mm-hmm. So mammography can actually give you a false sense of security that there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, again, the radiation. The younger the, the breast tissue, the more sensitive it is to that radiation. So...
2: Mhm.
1: It's not. It's not like I said, common enough to kind of warrant screening at this time. But we mm-hmm. do still recommend that you do your self breast exam. Mhm. And that's what I was gonna say. So the best way to start, kind of being aware, is doing your your self examination, so you know what's normal for you. Absolutely. And as I tell women all the time, so just the normal breast tissue has a lumpy bumpy texture to mm-hmm. it or like lymph nodes around the time of your period i know sometimes i get extra lumpy if it's my period and it's like what's that what's that absolutely and and actually it may not even be a lymph node because also keep in mind that the breast tissue itself extends all the way up under your Mm arm, so in your axilla where lymph nodes live Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle so that fibroglandular tissue of the breast is the tissue that's hormonally active Mm -hmm. so it's the tissue that's responding to your ovaries during your menstrual cycle so Mm -hmm. depending on where you are Depending on how your hormone levels are, your your breast tissue itself may be very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So your breast tissue extends up under your arm. So when you do your self-breast exams, you want to make sure whatever um, path you take to do it, but um, it's probably most easiest to start very high up in your axle and just kind of work your way going in the clockwise direction to the nipple areola complex, but Yes, your breast um, is going to feel lumpy-bumpy, but the idea is to get used to your normal mm-hmm. lumps and bumps, and if there is something different, then you want to bring that to the attention of your doctor, so they can do a clinical breast examination, and then if warranted, they may send you to us, the radiologist, for additional imaging. Mm-hmm. And so if you could kind of walk us through the process of, if you go, if, okay, i I do a self-breast exam. I feel something weird. I go to my doctor she does an exam, she feels something weird, then what are the next steps? Okay, so from there your doctor will order studies to be done. So you'll come to the radiology department and they'll show you to wherever the breast imaging section is. Is this before or after a mammogram? Will the mammogram be a first step here? Or so yes, that's what happens here in the radiology okay. department. So if you feel something, then this is not going to be a screening mammogram. So a screening mammogram only happens if you are asymptomatic. So that's what we recommend, that you start at age 40 and come once a year. Once there is a problem, then this is going to be a diagnostic approach. So when you come to get a screening mammogram, the radiology or the mammography technologist does the mammogram and then you leave so you don't actually interact with the radiologist they're in the background and they're going to eventually read your mammogram that day but you will likely not see the radiologist now it's a little bit different on a diagnostic end because now we're problem solving you're saying I have a problem I feel this lump my doctor feels this lump and is concerned so this is going to be a more interactive process with the radiologist so Once you come in, it depends on how old you are, where we start. Mm -hmm. So if you are under the age of 30, then, again, because of the things that we discussed before, one being breast density, one being the sensitivity of mammography, and also the sensitivity of the breast tissue to radiation, we're going to start with ultrasound. Okay. Um, and the most common things that we find in people under the age of 30 are going to be things that are best seen with ultrasounds um Mm -hmm. solid masses one being a fibroadenoma which is just the most common benign solid mass for a young woman to have in her breast Mm -hmm. um much better demonstrated on ultrasound, mm-hmm. and of course, just anybody listening,
0: benign meaning non-cancer.
1: Yes, meaning no, no, no cancer. No, it doesn't turn into cancer at a later date completely. And how common is that? Pretty fibroadenomas common? are very common. Okay, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are above the age of thirty, then typically we do like to start with a mammogram. So not just of the symptomatic breast, but both breasts, because just just like anything else in the body, symmetry helps. So we want to get a general layout of what your fibroglandular looks like and what it looks like compared to the breast where you're feeling nothing. Mm-hmm. So if we see something, then we may do additional mammographic images, Mm -hmm. but any time that there is a complaint of something palpable, regardless if we see something on the mammogram or not, that mammogram is going to be followed by an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and then at that point, would a biopsy be the next step? So, if we see something suspicious on the ultrasound, then um, the radiologist is going to recommend biopsy. Um, so typically it's something that, uh, happens in the same area that you have your ultrasound in. Um, so, you know, you don't have to have anxiety of, is it going to be like in the OR? A lot of patients have that misconception that this is going to be a surgical procedure. Am I going to get anesthesia? Um, so basically what happens is we complete your diagnostic workup, um, I usually go in and talk to the patient and tell them, this is the plan. I see something and I want to sample it. Mm -hmm. So we get them scheduled. Um, Usually within the next couple days, they come back in when it's convenient for their schedule. Um, So if it's an ultrasound biopsy, because we see this finding vest under ultrasound, then we take you back into the ultrasound room. You'll be laying on your back just like you would have been for the regular diagnostic ultrasound, so we just use local anesthetic, so similar to going to the dentist and getting your gums numbed. Mm-hmm. You feel that initial pinch and then a little bit of burn mm-hmm. as that lidocaine is spreading out within the breast tissue. Mm-hmm. After that, you shouldn't feel any pain. You shouldn't feel any sticking pain at all. You mm-hmm. just feel a sense of pressure. Mm-hmm. You can tell that I'm doing something, but it shouldn't be painful. Mm-hmm. And women have no problem letting me know if they're feeling pain. And <laughs> so you fine. do the biopsy. Yes, the radiologist does the okay. biopsy. Okay. Um, and we don't want you laying there in pain, so we have lots of numbing medication. So we just use a needle to take a couple of pieces of tissue from the finding. Um, and one thing to note is that when we take tissue out, we put a tiny titanium-based clip in to mark where that tissue came from. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we're biopsying things that are so tiny, we may actually remove the entire imaging finding with the biopsy. Mm -hmm. So that clip marks where that finding was. Mm -hmm. Um, And it serves a couple of purposes. So most biopsies do come back as benign, so not Mm -hmm. cancer. Um, So even though you have this mass in your breast, You'll have that clip as well, so it won't matter if you have your next mammogram done at the same institution where you had your biopsy or you just happen to have it down the street. The radiologist reading that mammogram will see that clip and know that that mass has already been sampled. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Ideally, it's best to have your mammograms at the same place because, again, um, breast imaging, we're looking for subtle changes, so we want to know what your breasts look like the year before. But so, going back to the biopsy, um, once we put that little clip in, we do do a gentle mammogram after. Um, and I know women all the time are like, oh no, you got to <laughs> squeeze my breast after your biopsy? Mm-hmm. Immediately, immediately after? immediately oh after. It's goodness. not as much compression as the, the diagnostic. Is still working <laughs> during that time? <laughs> it is, it okay, is. Okay, good. Okay, we can um, But again, it's that. just you're going to feel pressure, and it's not as much squeezing as the diagnostic because we're not trying to. diagnose anything. We're not Mm -hmm. looking for fine detail. We're just trying to document that that clip went where we expected it to go. Mm -hmm. And after that, you'll have a follow-up appointment depending on how the institution where you have your biopsy at does things, but that's where you'll get your um, results. Mm -hmm. And just so people have an idea of the different doctors because this seems like a lot of appointments so your first appointment and your mammograms that's with your general gynecologist so your general gynecologist does clinical breast exams where he or she puts their hands on your Mm -hmm. breasts and examines to see if they feel anything okay your mammograms are always with the radiologist okay um so if you're having a screening mammogram like I said you may not see the radiologist you'll just come in and the mammography technologist will physically do the mammogram so they're the ones on the front end putting you in compression okay Um, and behind the scenes the radiologist will read your mammogram issue a report that will go to your chart and go to your home okay Um, the diagnostic Mammograms and workups is again when there's a problem and at that point you will see the radiologist and the biopsies are done by the radiologist as well. Mm-hmm. So once we do the biopsy, like I said, most biopsies do come back as benign Mm -hmm. Uh, but if a biopsy comes back as breast cancer or anything else that needs to be removed from the breast because not just breast cancer needs to be removed but sometimes high risk lesions or atypical cells need further removal of tissue so Mm -hmm. that's when you would see a breast surgeon okay and so let me ask you this women who have had breast implants Things like that, how does that impact their risk for breast cancer or not? Um, so I, ha- I don't know any definite literature that says the breast implants put you at any different risk but you have a little bit of different risk involved with getting your mammogram and one is the risk of implant rupture but that risk Uh, is also very minimal mm -hmm. but you need to be informed of that at the time of your uh, mammogram okay Um, and the Mm -hmm. mammogram is a little bit longer so a little bit more compression for you because we have to do several views so we do um, views of each breast with the implant in the view, and then the implant needs to be displaced out of the view and the tissue compressed in front of it so we can actually examine the breast tissue.
2: Oh, so, okay. um,
1: instead So instead of two views per breast, it's mm-hmm. you're up to four. Okay, okay. And now I'm looking at some statistics, and breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer among black women. And an estimated 30,700 new cases are expected to be diagnosed. So why do you think specifically, or has there been any research done as to why it's the most commonly diagnosed cancer in black women? Well, what I'll say is, I'm not aware of any research out there targeting black women, uh, which is part of the issue with breast cancer statistics. And part of the issue with breast cancer treatment is that not a lot of these uh, large trials look specifically at uh, women of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that That may be partly attributable to that it's been maybe ingrained within us to be a little bit skeptical of the medical field. So Mm -hmm. we're not lining up to be part of clinical trials um, Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be experimented on Mm -hmm. or they don't trust the medical field because somebody they know got misdiagnosed or there is a fear of being diagnosed
0: (laughs) that you know oh if I go they might tell me I have something and and they don't don't want to know know. yes that they would rather not know and so I think that with anything um, I'm a big advocate for HIV
1: testing Mm -hmm. and HIV awareness and that is equally right exactly (laughs)
0: and not even just knowing your status but knowing your partner's status and that is also a big issue people not wanting to know but what they don't realize the power is in knowing because Mm -hmm. once you know 9 out of 10 times with most things it's you know it might not be
1: curable but it's treatable to where you can live a fairly normal and full life Mm -hmm. and so if you could just speak to you know some of the breast cancer treatments that are available and, and the importance of early detection? So early detection is key. Um, we've made tremendous advancements in um, treatments, but early detection is going to ultimately determine how successful a treatment can be. So just backtracking a little bit um, to the breast cancer with um, African-American women is very commonly more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so early detection becomes even more important because finding uh, aggressive cancer one year earlier can lead to completely different outcomes if, you know, that cancer is not found until the next year or the year after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so which is why uh, we still recommend that screening start at age 40, and I know that there are conflicting things out there now. Uh, with recommendations saying maybe starting at fifty, with forty to fifty being a conversation where you have with your doctor and seeing if if that's good for you, because what was brought up with the breast cancer screening is the level of anxiety that goes into getting called back or getting that abnormal letter, mm-hmm. um, because the, the the reality is you are likely to get recalled and, for your mammogram and saying that there's something abnormal. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, that's going to turn out to be not cancer. So um, people have been looking into that, quote, level of anxiety that goes into going through that process. But even with all of that, especially for women of color, because the breast cancers that are found tend to be more aggressive starting at forty is um, I believe the the best way to to save the most lives mm-hmm. so what would you say from your experience is one of the biggest misconceptions about breast cancer or um, maybe even irrational um, fears or or concerns well we we hear it all um People don't want to get mammograms because I've been told they're too painful. Um what I will say is I've heard they're painful. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's going to depend it it varies uh like anything else on your level of pain tolerance and also the composition of your breast mm-hmm. and also to the timing of your mammogram mm-hmm. if so, it's around your period. yeah, I would like urge that. you not to time your mammogram when your breast is its most sensitive around your menstrual cycle. So mm-hmm. usually um the week or so after people are less sensitive or if you're just a person that has sensitive breasts then you can take a leave or Motrin a couple of hours before the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do need to compress your breast. That's mm-hmm. the, the only way for us to kind of get a diagnostic image and um, prevent things like motion from obscuring very small details of the breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Um But I like to say that we compress because we care.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And the compression, as soon as the the image is done, lets up. So it may be, it's a couple of seconds that your breast is compressed. Mm -hmm. And on average, a screening mammogram is two views of each breast. So your breast in compression four times. Mm -hmm. Um, Women, like you said, just are afraid of knowing Mm -hmm. um, because they think that breast cancer is a death sentence. Mm -hmm. But, again, I'll point you towards um, early screening because we can catch very small breast cancers before you can feel them, and that's the key Mm -hmm. Um, because these are the ones that go on to uh, treatment which typically if we find a small invasive breast cancer, the standard treatment would be a lumpectomy, which is um, after the biopsy, a breast surgeon goes in and takes out a larger piece of tissue around where we sampled, Mm -hmm. Um, provided that those tissue margins that they take out are free of any cancer in it, then that's usually the end of your surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And the end of treatment. Or would you usually need to have follow-up radiation? Right. So that would depend um, particularly on your cancer. But if it is an invasive cancer, then that usually is followed up by radiation um, to treat the breast tissue that may have um, more on a microscopic level things left behind. So mm-hmm. usually radiation is part of the lumpectomy treatment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what about people like Angelina Jolie, who found out that she had a genetic trait that made her predisposed to mm-hmm. cancer, breast cancer, and she had a double mastectomy mm-hmm. if I'm not. she Mastecan. did. she did. Do you recommend those types of things, or do you think that that was extreme? Just knowing you were predisposed that she didn't have, surgery? so she, um, actually, one of the now most commonly known genes that are associated with breast cancer, the BRCA gene. Um, which uh, the Google search for BRCA gene mutation went up exponentially after Angelina Jolie came out about her story. But this um, gene in particular, yes, uh, your risk of breast cancer is very high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's going to be a conversation that you're going to have um, with your family, you know, with your doctors to see what's the best. Um, avenue for you to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of women do go with a double mastectomy because the risk of them developing cancer, they know it's very high. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on if you decide to do that or not, our screening um, recommendations are also different for women of high risk. So if you have one of these high-risk genes, and it's not just the BRCA gene, but there are um, other ones that are associated with increased risk um, risk of developing breast cancer, we recommend screening that starts earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, we say 10 years prior to uh the diagnosis, so if you've had a relative diagnosed young, we recommend that you start 10 years prior to the age that they were diagnosed. Okay. Um, but we don't start before 30. So if you had a BRCA gene mutation, then we would typically start screening at 30. And in addition to mammography, for these uh, women, we also recommend breast MRI mm-hmm. so and that's not to be done in place of mammography but in addition to mm-hmm. and now something else that I just want to touch on briefly is that men get breast cancer yes. as well and I think that so many people just associate it with women that it's a, a woman's cancer um, but what is your experience with cases with men and how because I don't think that men are advised to do self breast exams and so how do men usually detect it so men usually detect it as a palpable mass Um, the, the good thing is that typically the male breast is not a lot of tissue so if there's something growing there, it's it, it's usually something that they can more readily feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, uh, breast cancer is thought of as a female disease, but men do get breast cancer. Um, men have very... Um, They have atrophic ducts right beneath the nipple. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time when men feel something and they come in, it's not going to be breast cancer, though. Same thing with a woman. Most of the time it's going to be something benign. In men, uh, most commonly it's going to be what's called gynecomastia, and that is basically just the proliferation of those normally atrophic breast ducts right beneath the nipple, and that can be because of Um, different medications or hormones or um, other endocrine issues that they may or may not have and may need to uh, kind of check out with their primary doctor. Mm -hmm. But uh, as with any of your uh, body parts, I would tell men to pay attention to their Mm -hmm. breasts because men, unfortunately, can develop breast cancer as well. Mm -hmm. So I've learned a lot just in this conversation, but I think that, um, you know, I'm not of age yet to start getting mammograms, but... It's a little less intimidating from the things that I've heard about it being painful and
0: things like that. But definitely I am an advocate for early prevention. So I'll pop my Aleve or whatever I need to do and get my butt in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So now let's
1: talk a little bit more about you. Okay, let's Uh, do it. So how did you get interested in the field and um, how has the journey been for you so far? Okay, so... Uh, taking it back to medical school, I... Harry. Yes. <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. So I knew that I wanted to do something with women's health. Um, I was leaning towards OBGYN for uh, the first two years and then kind of got interested in surgery. Um but then it was very late that I was introduced to radiology and saw kind of how they're involved with all of these different type of cases. So I got pulled into radiology, and going in, I still had that desire to kind of participate in women's health, so I knew that I would go on to do a breast uh, imaging fellowship, which I um, am very happy that I did. Mm-hmm. And from my research, women, minorities, very sparse in radiology. Yes, we are. We are um, women in general, very sparse in radiology. Um, so it's funny, but I can oftentimes see a sense of relief on a patient's face when I walk in (laughs) particularly for the ultrasound is where we'll first see them with the diagnostic exam Mm -hmm. and they're like oh you know (laughs) yeah thank you because you know it's a very vulnerable position to be in you're sitting there Mm -hmm. with your breast out and you know uh, you already have anxiety about what's going on so Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm happy that I can uh serve the women of my city particularly in this capacity Mm -hmm. and did you feel that there were any challenges being a woman minority in um, school or things like that was there any discouragement or any of the guys saying what you doing in here (laughs) (laughs) well I think you know in uh, medical school being at an HBCU it was very supportive um, Mm -hmm. throughout I Notice quickly, uh, so you interview for residency um, while you're in medical school. Mm-hmm. So going on these interviews, I noticed very quickly that uh, you know I would be maybe the only one of maybe three women, mm-hmm. and most often, definitely the only um, woman of color.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I I didn't feel any direct discouragement. Mm-hmm. Was that Discouraging or more motivating? I would for say it. it was more motivating because mm-hmm. it confirmed that, you know, we're You're needed. needed in this capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just go ahead and and tell people your credentials, because I didn't list that. I just said that you were a radiologist in in women's breast imaging, but you graduated from Meharry. Yes, I graduated from Meharry. Um, Then I did, I returned um, home to do residency. So radiology residency is five years. Mm -hmm. Um, The first year is the intern year, so I went to Chicago and did my intern year, but then returned home to New Orleans um, to LSU. And did four years of radiology residency. Um, like I said, it was always my plan to specialize in women's imaging, so I chose mm-hmm. breast imaging, and then I did a year of fellowship at Northwestern in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Then got hired here back at home because you don't leave New Orleans for long, <laughs> and um, now I'm practicing um, here at, with LSU. Okay, so two questions. When did you know you wanted to be a doctor or go into the medical field? Was that something you knew as a child? or as It's you something know? that I kind of went back and forth on, actually. In high school, I was pretty sure that I wanted to do it. And then in college, um, and part of it was, so I went to undergrad in New York. And when I got to New York, it was like, I don't know. I was uh, seduced by the Wall Street and the Uh whole business vibe. So Uh I was like, yeah, I think I want to do that. So I was actually a business major in undergrad. Okay. And then I got to my third year, and I had um, a good girlfriend, and she was on the pre-med route. Uh And I was like, you know, I'm actually kind (laughs) of jealous. Uh I'm actually kind of jealous. So I, I went... And I remember the day I went and sat down and talked to my dean, and this is um, as third year was coming to a close. And I said, You know, I think that I really want to pursue medical school. And she's like, Well, let's do it. So my last year, I had all of these basic science classes when everyone else had like a super light schedule.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And so I I, I graduated uh, at the end of that year, but then I came back home to take the additional classes that I needed to uh, as prerequisites for medical school. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's listening and they're thinking about going into medical school, what would your advice be? Don't be discouraged. Don't look at the numbers. Uh, (laughs) I did all of these things. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, the probability of me getting in is so low. Mm -hmm. Don't, I mean, and if it's in your heart and you really want to serve in this way, you should go for it. Mm. Um. I just delayed myself two years basically Mm -hmm. and two Um,
0: years is nothing that flies by it
1: it does yeah these years fly by but um no I would say go for it don't don't be discouraged now did you have a mentor or someone you know I know you said you talked to your dean and and your girlfriend who was on the pre-med track were they some people that have kind of encouraged you along the way or when those hours of fellowship and studying and book get hard how did you stay motivated <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that really um I have a close uh knit core of family and friends and they including Lonnie Lou
2: are <laughs> oh, always
1: uh encouraging um but my dean was very helpful in you know just kind of believing that hey yes you can do it and you should go for it so um i do appreciate her for that push mm-hmm. any book that has inspired you uh personally or professionally that you say maybe even changed your life dr seuss oh the places you'll go <laughs> <laughs> okay so now you know you have to break it down because i haven't I haven't read that one in a while, but I'll refer to a podcast that I did with my mother, and she said the book that changed her life was The Wizard of Oz, and everybody laughed when she said that, and then she just broke it down and said because the cowardly lion was the most courageous of them all, and the Tin Man he was asking for a heart, and he was the most sensitive, and the whole thing was that everybody needed to be validated by the wizard, but it was always in. The- it was themselves. in themselves it, it was in you the whole time okay so now you. so now we need the breakdown of Dr. Seuss's oh the places you'll go <laughs> well I would say from a five-year-old to now a 35-year-old mm-hmm. I mean it, it the, the words are so inspiring they mm-hmm. just speak directly to the point point. Um, Because, you know... It's a quick read. (laughs) (laughs) It is a quick read. So I have a quote. Okay. So you have brains in your head. You have feet on your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. Mm So don't let nobody discourage you Mm -hmm. you don't discourage yourself Mm -hmm. you have everything inside of you to go wherever it is that you want to go so you have all the tools you have all the tools so Mm -hmm. if i'm having a low moment i can pick up my older places you'll go Mm -hmm. and uh you don't make me go dig it up or order it from somewhere i'm gonna get get it for you but yeah it's just uh you know, Doctor Seuss. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love that, and I love how simple it is, and that it's a quick read. That you know, keep that in your purse. You know, <laughs> just like whenever you, whenever you need, pull it out at work. yes, pull it out. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I love that. And now um, another question that I like to ask um, as a successful woman. You've been through a lot of schooling. You've, you know, worked hard to be where you are. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in the idea that women can have it all or has it been a challenge or do you find it to be challenging to be a successful woman and try to balance a a romantic relationship or the idea of having a family, kids, and saving women's lives every day? Yeah, I think uh, it depends on what your definition of all is and that's going to be different to every woman. Uh, I think that, for sure, there have been sacrifices on this route. Anytime you kind of take that professional route, you commit yourself to school and to further training, then a lot of things go on a back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that, you know, just like... uh, you know, I said, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a radiologist, and I'm going to go on and subspecialize in breast imaging. You know, we as women are very um, motivated and capable beings. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it just depends on what your definition of all is. But I'm a believer in that you can, you can have it all. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been one of the biggest challenges on this road, and how did you overcome it? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges was just my doubting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, looking, looking back at everything when starting it all, it seems like you know just such a huge feat. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to get through this? I'm thinking about eight years of school. Like, who wants to... Who? So it was a lot of psyching myself out of things. So mm-hmm. I had to first get a hold of my mind and mm-hmm. get my thoughts on the positive vibrations mm-hmm. um and so. how did you do that yoga I know we do a <laughs> lot of yoga was that yeah. one of the things yoga yoga is uh, very helpful um mm-hmm. meditation is helpful mm-hmm. um but also just realizing that uh yes it's a lot but it's one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Like you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at one a time. One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like stop getting caught up in you know the the big oh. This this is too much. It's a lot, and just do it. Mm-hmm. Just start doing it. Once you mm-hmm. start doing it, you're kind of you got the momentum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What's some of the best and or worst advice anyone has given you? And it uh, could be personal or professional. So, the best advice, uh, maybe my mom, don't care what people think about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's helpful that. mm-hmm. at a very young age mm-hmm. because kids can be cruel. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, So just, you know, developing a a thick skin of, you know, feeling very confident about who you are, and Mm -hmm. this is just it. This is me. Mm -hmm. Take me, leave me, fine, but I don't care (laughs) either way. Right. Right. I'm a (laughs) do me regardless. I'm going to keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Um, Worst advice? Worst advice. Well, this may sound politically correct but I don't I don't I wouldn't say worst advice because I think that even in something that I wouldn't do Mm -hmm. I can find some value in someone offering Mm -hmm. you know that advice so Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) and now and now a little fun game that I like to play either or I'm going to name two things, and you pick one. You can only pick one. You cannot pick both. (laughs) Either or. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Credit card or cash? Cash. Bath or shower? (laughs) Shower. Passenger or driver? Driver. Save or spend? Spend. (laughs) Cardio or weights? Weights iphone or android iphone winter or summer summer car or truck jeep (laughs) wheel of fortune or jeopardy wheel of fortune fresh prince of bel-air or martin fresh prince (laughs) Ooh, you didn't even need to hear us i thought i was going to be i'm fresh prince international vacation or staycation International. Let's go. Okay. Now, in your partner, which do you prefer, intelligent or funny? This is still either Either or, or. (laughs) if you have to pick one. In a perfect world, we know you want both. Okay. Either or. Boy shorts. Oh, no. Wait. Wait, In in a (laughs) partner? Wrong question. (laughs) No. Older or younger? Older. Hug or kiss? Hug Piercings or tattoos Tattoos Okay and now this is not about a partner This is you Tupac or Biggie Oh (laughs) I gotta go East Coast with Biggie (laughs) Nas or Jay-Z Jay-Z Cornbread or biscuits Cornbread Okay now this is testing your true New Orleanian one has to go. Where? So, <laughs> meaning that if you pick one, you can never have the other. Okay. So it's kind of like either or, okay. but one of them's got to go. This is giving me anxiety. All right, let's do it. Gumbo or red beans and rice. So whichever one I don't pick has to go. Yeah. Okay, give me gumbo. Okay, po' boy or king cake. Oh. Lord. <laughs> That is terrible. Oh, I can't do it. Yes.
2: I can't do it.
1: Um, king cake. You keeping? Yeah, I'm keeping okay. king cake. And snowball or beignets? Snowball okay well thank you yes. thank you yeah. look i didn't know that that game was going to give you as much anxiety as <laughs> that. that was the most anxiety i saw know, on your so face that. through the whole podcast but <laughs> so interesting enough i don't eat like any of them right exactly <laughs> but the thought, <laughs> but that, <laughs> but thought, that thought of of, getting thought of it, yes, yeah, uh-huh. a permanent no it's gone yes oh, Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. I would tell y'all to look her up on social media, but she's not on social media. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me anytime. On behalf of all women, we appreciate what you do for us and for our health. And thank you for enduring the years (laughs) of schooling and everything because it is an honor and a privilege and and representing us well in the medical field and we we hope that somebody listening will be inspired by your story and decide to take
0: a similar come on in
1: there get your screen and mammogram get it done
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just Tolerated. Talk to you soon.